Okay, good. Friends, let us do something. Let us, what we always do to start with, please bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, for the joy, the honor of meeting together, we are meeting together in your name, Lord, because unto you will the gathering of people be. Unto Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Father, I pray for wisdom today, wisdom to come upon this body, to fall and uh, bring illumination, bring correction, exhortation. I pray especially for myself. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord, and uh, let no flesh glory in your presence. So I, along with all my brothers and sisters, we humble ourselves before you. And uh, we ask you to please be here in a very special way. Anoint me, Father, otherwise it's going to be just a data dump. No, if you come and you teach and you, you speak, then there will be a fresh anointing and people will walk away. Amen. Hearing you and not a man. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Friends, this message kind of dovetails in for those of you remember I spoke about how do you spell that word discipleship yesterday right I gave you a a few pointers this one is sort of to add to that in, in in some way so so let me let me start as follows Mark, I'm not getting this too. Oh, it's come. Perfect. Um, is it connected? My little head up? Ah, here you go. Yeah. All right. Um... I'm reading from John chapter 10, verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. Friends, I've given you this note. These are all my message notes. It's all here for you. If we want to truly understand Jesus of Nazareth, we must remember that he came as a Jewish theologian. For example, when you hear these words, a festival, a feast, This is kind of punctuated right through the scriptures. So one time, John, the baptizer, made the statement, there's the Lamb of God. You would only be able to understand that statement if you realize the tie between that particular statement and a particular feast in Jewish history. Which was the feast? Thank you, Passover. That Jesus was the ultimate Lamb of... God, all right, tied to that feast. How about this one? The festival of dedication. Which Old Testament feast is this one? Where do you find this in the Old Testament? Take a guess. Pentecost? No. Samuel? Which feast? Dedication? Um, any guesses? Feast of first fruits, all right? The list goes on. No. You will not find this in the Old Testament. All right? The festival of dedication comes up in the intertestamental period between the Old and the New Testament. There was a Syrian king, Antiochus. I put this slide up for you yesterday. He slaughtered a pig on their altar. Ultimately, the, Mac- uh, the Jews drove him away, re-cleansed the temple. And to celebrate that event, we have Hanukkah, which is the festival of dedication. The point being, you learn something about scripture by investigating that intertestamental period. Not directly in scriptures, but related to scriptures, tied to scriptures. Okay? Friends, in that intertestamental period, 
some words started developing which suddenly appear in the New Testament. And it is important for us to read those words in the light of the intertestamental period. So, I'll raise this question. Between the era of Jesus and now, many things are dramatically different in context, culture, and form between the original and our understanding of it. Every, you, you think of the number of things that differ. This, I mean, that time of Jesus was 2,000 years ago. Thousands of miles away and thousands of years ago. Think of the way things have changed. If you were to ask a scholar, give me an example of something which has changed dramatically over time. They would say this particular word, there was a word that is dramatically different in context and culture and form between the original and our understanding of it. Here's your first blank. Write down the word discipleship. Discipleship. Friends, we have so uprooted this word out of its culture, context, etc. We have reduced this word to something like study. It's much more than that as we'll see. So I have a question for you. Oh, I get three minutes extra. I did not start my stopwatch. Where did Jesus grow up? What is the name of the place? Where did the Father send Jesus? Thank you, ma'am. By the way, you can't give me the answers if you are in the first service. All right? Okay. <laughs> you can't give me the answers. Please just uh, uh, you, let somebody else answer. Most people would say Israel. But the answer is really, please write down, Galilee. And friends, Galilee is that little area, you can't see it on this slide, but it's kind of to the north there, all right? That sea and Galilee is up there. And this is significant because discipleship was a very Galilean idea. You do not find it practiced in the diaspora, not even in Judea. These Galileans were passionate about this particular form of learning. Now, history records two kinds of teachers. I don't know if you picked this up. First one, please write down teachers of the law. Teachers of the law. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, came to his hometown. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. But in addition to teachers of the law, there was another group, and these were, please write down, the rabbis. Matthew 23, 7, they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi, rabbi. Rabbis were special teachers. The good rabbis were close to the words and the heart of Yahweh. And associated with these rabbis, there was a model it was called the discipleship model. The core of the model was the rabbi and his Talmudim. So write down rabbi and his Talmudim. Another word for Talmudim? Disciple. Talmudim is disciple. Now rabbis had special abilities, gifts, etc. For starters, they were masters of Tanakh. What is Tanakh? Ta for the Torah, Na for Navaim, and this you need to be a Hebrew scholar to say that last word. <laughs> From Hirtuvim. 
Now, what do I mean by masters of Tanakh? Friends, they had memorized the entire Old Testament cover to cover. And I just want you to know something. This is not them alone. You can get some of these students in graduate programs in Hebraic studies today. And it's my understanding when they apply, apply to New York University or wherever who have these special Hebraic Jewish studies, part of the application process could simply be something like that. Hey, listen, Psalm 71, 16, give me the verse. And the applicant has to say that verse. Give me the next 10 verses. The applicant has to recite the next 10 verses from memory. From memory. There's something about their passion, right? Masters of Tanakh. They were also master teachers. They would couch a lot of their teaching in stories. And they'd put it this way. Stories like there was a man and he had two sons. There was a farmer throwing seed. There was a king who was throwing a wedding feast for his son. Master teachers, great storytellers. They also had something called smiha. Authority, write that down. Smiha, authority. Authority to do what? They had authority to heal. Friends, take a look at this verse. Mark 10, 51. Jesus was walking along. A blind man called out to him, I want my sight. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. It is unlikely that this blind man had any deep knowledge of theology. He was a blind man sitting on the side of the road. All he knew is that there was a rabbi passing by. And rabbis very often, he was a good rabbi. His prayers would be heard by Yahweh. Amen. They also had authority. Rabbis also had authority to teach and interpret scripture. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority. Authority. Not like teachers of the law. Not like the teachers of the law. You know, a very frequent question the Pharisees would ask, the teachers of the law would ask him, Hey, listen, where did you get this authority? We haven't seen you, you know, go to the school of Gamaliel, etc., who gave you this authority? You see, there was an ordination process at that time. Two, I'm reading from the bottom left-hand side, two authoritative sources were required to ordain a rabbi. Friends, this is very akin to an ordination process today. What happens if you go to a Bible college? At the, when you graduate, you get ordained. There's a special service, etc. At that time, two godly people, two godly sources had to recognize his authority and anoint you in a way. The Lord made sure the following was included in John chapter 1, where John the Baptist makes this statement, I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize told me the one who you see the Spirit fall on, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The next day, John was there again. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now, John was being recognized as a prophet. A prophet has come to Palestine. When he made that statement, look what the two disciples say. They follow Jesus 
And when Jesus says, what do you want? They call him Rabbi. Rabbi. They're recognizing that authority is being, ordination is happening with Jesus. Anointing is happening. An authoritative source is recognizing him. Well, that's one. But there are two sources required. How about the second one? Luke 9.28 Transfiguration after, About eight days after Jesus said this He took Peter, James and John Went up to a mountain to pray As he was praying The appearance of his face changed And his clothes became as bright As a flash of lightning And then Moses and Elijah disappeared God is saying something with that a cloud, and then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son. Listen to him. Who is this authoritative source? Thank you, Yahweh. Scripture records only one rabbi with authority directly from Yahweh. Write that down. Bottom line, one more blank for you, we can trust his interpretation of the scriptures. His interpretation is the interpretation. You don't need to look further if he interprets things in one particular way. Good. Now, rabbis, all of this discipleship, right hand side, why was all of this so special? Ladies and gentlemen, deep in the heart of mankind, there is a desire for significance. You know, I used to work for Oracle for many years. And I realized something. I like to keep my badge on. Oracle is the world's second, at least, really, is it still the world's second largest software company? Second largest software company. Um, it's not easy to get in. But as Rojan will also testify, it's not easy to stay there because they're laying off every year, they lay off some people. Woo. Went through a few rounds of layoff, but very glad I was there. The good Lord protected me. But I liked having my badge. I like, I belong to Oracle. I'm good enough to get in there. You see, friends, Rabbis were highly respected. It was an honor to be in their schools. Recognize this guy? How many footballers here? We got a few. How do you like to belong to his club? I mentioned this in the morning. When I got nothing to do, I'll pull up YouTube and watch Messi's goals. Whoa, time well spent. <laughs> so it was an honor to be in their schools, learn from them. The disciple actually lived, ate, stood up, sat down with the rabbi 24-7. When he traveled, they walked behind him. So much so that there was a saying, because the land was covered with rock and sand. May I walk so close with my rabbi, so close behind, that you know when he's walking, he's kicking up some dirt and sand and dust. May I walk so close to him that I would have the honor to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. That says something about what they thought about these rabbis. But you didn't automatically get into the school of the rabbi. You see, in Israel, there was a progression of schooling. I've given it there for you. Boys and girls, age 5 to 12, they first went into a school called Bet Sefer. What I didn't write was, you can write this down if you wish. In this school, at the age 5 to 12, 
they would get into the Torah. Write that down. Into the Torah. Into the first five books of the Bible. A few of them, gifted enough, age 12 to 15, would go to the school of Beth Midrash. Write down, into the Tanakh. They would start getting into the Tanakh. But as the years went by, it started getting more and more competitive. It started getting more and more difficult. The filtering process started taking a place. After Beth Midrash, most would go into trades. Fishing, carpentry, etc. But a very select few would apply for the school of Beth Talmud. If I can get into the school of Beth Talmud, I can learn to be the voice and interpretation of God. Why? I'll be in the school of a rabbi, and I'll be in that process myself, of learning, following closely. If, if I finished, then I also can be ordained, receive the authority, receive smiha, then I can also help to interpret and I can, my prayers can, you know, will hopefully be heard and I'll help to heal, etc., etc. So, for this school, boys at age 15, if at all possible, chose a rabbi. I've given you a blank. This was a big deal. This was a huge deal. Because this decision, which rabbi I choose, will affect me the rest of my days. The process is pretty much like going applying to IIT today. I've got to prep for the application, etc. And it boils down to this. I've given you the text. Rabbi, can I learn from you? Will you accept me? Can I live with you? Will you take me under your wing? It's more than test cause. It boils down to this. Rabbi, can I be like you? Can I be a leader? And this application process, in my under- it's, it's my understanding, it took months. Most of them did not make the cut. And they heard words like, Son, go and be a godly fisherman. You, go and be a godly stonecutter. But a very select few heard the words Le Ahorai. Write that down. You come and follow me. You have what it takes to be like me. Amen. Beloved, it is only in the light of this that we can understand what what would otherwise be a bizarre set of verses. Look at this. Matthew 4.18 Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net. They were fishermen. And he tells them, Come follow me. You know what the next word is? Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Continuing, he saw James and John. They were also preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left their boat and father and followed him. Now friends, I've written this down at the bottom of the page. Well-meaning sermons have been written about the faith of these boys. Look what faith they had. Uh-uh. I don't think it was a whole lot of faith. I've given an analogy here. I had a friend called Joshua in Houston. Joshua graduated with a degree in computer science. Tragically, he graduated in 2001. Anybody tell me what happened in 2001? Dot-com bubble burst. Thousands of layoffs in the valley. 
and Joshua couldn't find employment. And friends, most of us here, our parents help us out, and there your parents help out. But you graduate with debt. Anybody here graduate with a whole lot of student debt? It's a terrible feeling. Thousands, tens of thousands of debt, of dollars of debt, and he couldn't get employment. Now let's assume the doorbell rings. This man shows up at the door. And he says, Hey Joshua, you want a job? How much faith is required on Joshua's part to fly to Seattle? Friends, kings and queens are prostrated before this man. Why? Translate that software into our language. You know, I mentioned this yesterday. I've been had the precious opportunity. It's a blessing. Travel to the most remote parts of the world. There's no running water. They're still running. Excel. Word. Window. Something they're running of is. By the way, I've got to tell you this. Guess who I've had lunch with? No, 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 no. I apologize. I should maybe I set you up. I've had lunch with his secretary's sister. <laughs> I mean, you all should be excited. Now you know the guy who was at lunch with the sister of the secretary of Bill Gates. Whoa, I was so excited. One more point before we leave this page. What were these boys doing when Jesus called them? Thank you. They were fishing. Which means they had not been accepted into Bethalmud. Whoa, that's good. Gives me hope. Flip over, please. And so when he said, come follow me, they joined him. And they followed him, walking closely behind him. And I've got an incident which occurs, which tells us something. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And he goes up to the mountain to pray. The boys now are in the boat, and the boat has gone away from the land, and then it's caught up in a storm. Now, friends... Storms in that sea can be treacherous. People, you can lose your life really easily. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And he says, listen, don't be afraid. It's me. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Lord, save me. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Friends, that's the incident in pictures. It's a ghost. No, it's me. It was you that let me walk to you. Come. Waves rose, he starts sinking. But when you think about it, why did Peter want to do this? Peter knows he is not a fish. That much we can, I mean, whatever the problems, this boy had a huge number of problems, but that much intelligence we have to give him. He knows he's not a fish. He's a fisherman. He catches fish. Then why? You see, I want to follow my rabbi. What my rabbi does, I want to do. If my rabbi is walking on the water, I want to do that as well. Amen? Now friends, one more point here. There is no question about the authority of this rabbi. You see... Oh, Peter went to... Why did Peter go into... Uh, start sinking? He didn't have faith in Jesus. I don't think that was the problem. 
Faith in Jesus was not the issue. You know, it's possible what Jesus was saying to him. Remember what Jesus said, Oh man of little faith, why did you doubt yourself when I called you? And those words need to be heard by some of us here today. Can I repeat that? Why did you doubt yourself? Why do you doubt yourself when the rabbi has called us? This is not our story. It's his story. And he seems to think something here about us. In the same story, they climbed into the boat. The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. Friends, we can pass that up really easily till we realize these are Jewish boys. If there's anything they've been taught from their mother's breast to the time they died, it was that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You will worship the Lord your God. You will worship Him and Him only. We are worshiping Him. You see, one brother put it this way. It's clear this is no ordinary rabbi. I mean, the water is holding up the rabbi? No. I think it's it's slowly beginning to occur to these boys. The water is not holding up the rabbi. It is this rabbi who is holding up the water. Amen? Scripture says, in him we live and move and have our being. It is all held together by him. It was created by him, for him, through him. Ladies and gentlemen, you know when you split an atom, you get enough energy to power a city or destroy one. Every two atoms in the universe are held together by him. Amen. That's no ordinary rabbi. And so, I come to that section. May I be covered by the dust of the rabbi? But once in a while, that dust gets dirty. Section 7. At the end of the story, the rabbi is arrested and taken to Caiaphas. Peter follows him at a distance. Why? He's a Talmudim. And he's supposed to follow. But this time, it's at a distance. Um, The dust is getting a little dirty now. I don't want uh, some of this. The high priest, of course, accuses him. Are you the Messiah? Jesus said, you know what? You will see this rabbi sitting on the right hand of God one day. And the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken. We don't need any more witnesses. He is worthy of death. They spit in his face, struck him with their fists. And they beat him up, flogged him. Now friends, adjacent to that story, Peter was sitting in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him. You were there with Jesus. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Second time, this fellow was with Jesus. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know this man. Third time, surely you are one of them. And this time scripture says, and I paraphrase, may God damn me if I know that man. Beloved, this was, you know, in Luke, there's a strange set of verses, just as he was cursing damnation, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned. How come? They were probably walking Jesus through the courtyard at this point in time after the flogging. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The point, Peter knew Jesus heard what he said. We know the story. 
There has never been a case of a disciple who denied that he went to the school of a good rabbi. Any IITians here today? In the morning we had one. Friends, there's never been an IITian who denied that he went to IIT. You know why? It's too hard to get in. It's too much honor associated with that. I studied for months. And I said, my problem was calculus. If it was not for calculus, I would have made it. Calculus is the fundamental thing. Even that I couldn't get. All right? But bottom line, we know the story. Jesus was crucified. Jesus rose again. Jesus is now seeking the disciples. Question for you. Where is Peter? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, he is fishing. Why? Even if I'm beginning to understand the story now, that this is Yahweh who has come to earth, I'm beginning to slowly get this together. Yes, it was him. And it's all coming together. But for me, in Peter's mind, he would have been thinking, for me, it can never be the same again. Because I cursed, I denied knowing him, and he heard it. Fortunately, this is no ordinary rabbi. Amen? So three times he asked him, Peter, do you love me? Three times he tells him, Peter, feed my lambs. That's restoration. I'll grant you that. But it's also possible what he's saying there. Peter, yes, you denied me. You cursed me. And you shouldn't have done any of those things. Yes. Peter, I still want you to be just like me. I still want you to follow me and be just like me. Beloved, there are maybe those of us in the room today, maybe you've blown it, maybe your life's a wreck, things have not gone the way you expected, maybe the separation was not your fault, the whole thing has gone south. Hear these words to you today from the rabbi. I still want you to be just like me. Amen? And in conclusion, we come to an interesting question. Was it a successful project? I tell you, Bill Gates, all these guys run things by project. Management by project. Oracle Rosen is big on projects. He started with 12 men and 7 women. Here's a letter from the Jewish Management Consulting Agency. 3380. Dear Jesus, this plan of yours to redeem something you lost is a good one. We're all for it. We are extremely concerned about your choice of disciples. Shall we go through them one at a time? Let's start with Peter. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in North America, there's a road sign which looks like this. Are you from the United States, sir? What's that sign? No? Um, actually, a little bit more. Treacherous when wet. Write that down. Treacherous when wet. You see, Jesus, this boy will be fine as long as the sun is shining. But if it starts raining, you can't depend on him. In addition, he's the kind of guy he won't eat with his brothers. There's this violent spirit within him. Remember how he tried to take that guy's ear off? Or oh, that actually head off. He missed and got his ear. 
He's a violent spirit about him. And when push comes to shove, when you need him most, he will drag your name into the ground. How about James and John? And I've written here, the two problems with James and John are, please write down, James and John. That's the problem with James and John. The better question is, what is right with these guys? You know something? Jesus, in spite of you telling them again and again, look at this. Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? I want to be president. Let my brother be vice president, home minister. You know, if they haven't got this in three years, Jesus, they're never going to get this. That too, they're living with you. In addition, there is a deeply disturbing story about these boys. Friends, not many Christians know this is in the Bible. It's in the Gospel of Luke. They're passing through Samaria. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He was walking with his disciples and he sent word to a Samaritan village that he wanted to stay with them. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews. You know what the Samaritans, all they said was, move on. Leave us alone. When the disciples James and John saw this, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Jesus, John has a problem. He likes to barbecue. Barbecue. John, the choice of your meat is questionable. You know what Jesus turned to, to him and said? John, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. You don't belong to that. That spirit is not from me. There's another spirit which does that in the world. It's not from me. How about, by the way, they learned that from the story of Elijah. How about Thomas? Have you done a word study on Thomas? Jesus, your entire budget will be spent on anti-depression medication for this boy. And friends, I don't mean to make light of that. One time I sat with the doctor and that guy said, Jacob, you're going through a classical textbook style depression. It can be a dark place. But it's just that Thomas, I mean, you've got the rabbi right next to you. That's the last boy you want with on your team, Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, the list goes on. That's what he started with. What was the end of the story? He lost one boy. Scripture seems to indicate we'll never meet that man. What about the others? Beloved, they're a good part of the reason you and me are here today. Amen. Let's go through them one more time. Stephen, stoned. James, beheaded. Philip, crucified. James, clubbed. Matthias, stoned. Andrew. Friends, it's this, every one of them. Lord have mercy, Bartholomew, Thomas, Luke. John the evangelist, they say, was the only one. I mean, he suffered a terrible fate as well. He was sent into exile. That's a, I'd rather die than be sent into exile. The Christian landscape is strewn with the wreckage of half-built towers, the ruins of those who began to build and were unable to finish. Because they underestimated the cost of discipleship. Please circle the high cost of discipleship. 
But ladies and gentlemen, my beloved brothers and sisters, the high cost of discipleship should never be divorced from its context. The great honor of discipleship. The greatest honor given to you and me from the God of heaven and earth that the rabbi would tell you and me, come and follow me. You have what it takes to be like me. I think you have what it takes to be like me. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the rabbi's kingdom. You know, like I was mentioning, I had this chance to visit some pretty wonderful places. One time, way up in Canada, sitting next to a man on the plane, chatting with him, he was a missionary, a pastor to the Inuit. The Inuit lived near the North Pole. The rabbi's kingdom has reached the North Pole. One time I was in Argentina. I used to work for an oil company. You may not know this. There's a lot of oil in Argentina. And I was on the road, and there was a lady there. She had painted, in fact, I brought this back for my son, a beautiful picture of, of Jesus. And I wanted to tell her that I also was a follower of Jesus. I just pointed to him, I pointed to the picture, and I said, I pointed to my heart, and I said, Cristo. You know what she did? She said, "See, si, Senor. She pointed to her own heart and said, Cristo, we have a sister near the South Pole. Oracles on the West Coast, certainly saints over there. And one time I got sent to Sydney. I attended a precious worship service there. The ra- Friends, last week I sat with a Chinese brother. And I asked him this question, Brother, is this true what we are hearing? We had this conversation. You know what some estimates are, I mean, I, it's not confirmed, but there are a large number of voices saying this. It is possible that 10% of China is now following the rabbi. 10% of China, that's bigger than a vast number of countries in the world. So his kingdom spans geographies. You know, one of those dots is a star. Let me just put it this way. Some of those dots are bigger than our solar system. You can put the entire Earth, the entire circle of Earth, Mercury, Mars, Venus, etc. into one of those dots. And Genesis has a little verse. He made the stars also. And Genesis says nothing compared to what he made in you and me. It's as if that's the implication. But his kingdom spans galaxies. Friends, I want you to know something. That's your inheritance. You're going to inherit this one day. His kingdom also spans something else. One time, God sent Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Mary was disturbed. And Gabriel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You will give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. What's the next sentence? We miss this part sometimes. Anyone? His kingdom will never end. The kingdom of Microsoft will end one day. Do you know that? Not this kingdom. Please write down, his kingdom spans time. The love and fellowship we share today will never end. Amen. Church traditions 
I'll end this way, and I've mentioned this earlier. Gosh, would any of you say that I've been somewhat harsh on Peter? And Peter's listening to this, I don't know what he's thinking. But there's a church tradition. By the way, this is a pretty reliable tradition. There are very early references to this. When Peter was being crucified, they took him up the hill. You know, he made the statement to the Romans that he was not worthy to die in the same way that his rabbi had died. So he said, listen, you've turned this cross upside down and kill me that way. The Roman soldiers thought they'd make a joke out of it. And they said, that's fine. They flipped him upside down and put him on the cross. And Peter, it's my understanding all this time, he was praying for them. Father, forgive them. Bless them. The same grace which fell on me, let it fall on them. That's a well-known church tradition. There's another one, not so well-known. There were two angels standing next to Peter at this time. One angel turned to the other and said, Hey, Gabriel. And Gabriel said, Yes, Michael. And Michael said, Gabriel, that man has become like his rabbi. Amen? That man has become like his rabbi. That's what his rabbi did when he was dying. And friends, I'll conclude. He didn't, condemn to, he didn't come to condemn us. He came not just to save us, to make us, dis, us his disciples, that we would be like him, that we would have an inheritance with him. Please know this. You and I have been chosen to reign with him. One day we will judge even the angels. Scripture says that. You and I are being prepared for that. He is looking for Talmudim, disciples. And the call was later open to all who wanted to follow. But it all begins with just one little requirement. And can I have the worship team come up? One little requirement. Do you want to follow and be covered in the dust of the rabbi? So I've asked Mark and the team to sing this song with us. Let's respond to the rabbi. Let's respond to that great cloud of witnesses around us by singing this song. Amen?